Okay, how are y'all doing? Good. So far, so good on salt. Yes. Yeah. For you up front, is anyone else feeling the Arctic draft coming through here? Yeah. It is so cold. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do this without my jacket. I might have to put it on mid-teaching. My name is Stephen. I am a Kyle professor at North Carolina State University. I'm scanning the audience. I don't see any NC State people. No, I'm here by myself except for uh, my friend and mentor and coach and boss, uh, Brian in the back, um, who's a bit older, uh, a lot more mature and wise than I am, and he'll be coming up in about uh, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna tag team this. Um, we're we're talking about abiding today. We're talking about uh, finding some of those secrets that we've been hinting at um, so far in Salt. Sean last night talked about uh, devotional life and, and, and spending that time with the Father. Was that resonating with anyone else in the room? Yeah, it was. It, I wasn't. I actually wasn't there for the teaching. Uh, because my, my one-year-old had to go to bed, and, and I, I drew the short straw on taking him to bed. But I, I, was, uh, I got the, the lowdown from my wife, and I read her notes, and, and, and I, got, I got the feeling that uh, what he was talking about last night should set us up wonderfully for what we want to talk about today. Now, the track is called Spiritual Jesus. How many people know what that means? Yeah, I had no idea either, so I have no clue what that means. Um, what, what we're going with is, uh, is devotional Jesus, because... Where you spend your time in devotion is a reflection of what you believe, right? I feel like Christians today, we have the capacity to, to have amazing concerts and then do lip service to all of our theology, right? We'll get together and sing, and the music is great, and the lights are great, and the smoke machines are awesome, and they're pumping out smoke, and we're all having a great time. And then we talk about something, and then at the end, we just don't go and do anything about it. We like to talk and talk and talk and talk and yet do nothing. Where we devote ourselves is a reflection of what we truly believe. I would argue that your theology is made manifest in, in how you spend your devotional time. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. I want to discover what that means today. And then when I'm done, Brian will come up and talk about how. How can you do that? How can you as a college student today have a meaningful devotional life? How many of you want a better devotional life? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I do, I do too. And I remember as a college student, it was incredibly hard to find places alone to be with God. I, I would go to the tops of buildings. Um, I would go to the cemetery. I would go to, to the woods looking for a place to be alone with God. Because I was searching for something I couldn't get anywhere else. Now, being together in community, being in a classroom, being in a worship service like we'll be tonight, these are all good things, and they're all good for our hearts and our souls. But there's, there comes a point where you need to be alone with the Father. All right? And we see Jesus doing that. He, he sets the model for us. We're going to follow his model. I'll read that to you, but I want to set the stage in saying uh, I'm, I'm here to try to cast a vision for why it's important to develop your devotional life. Like you go to the gym and work out. A devotional life, you have to work it out in order for it to get better. It's not something that just clicks and happens overnight. I, I had the chance to talk face-to-face -face with Dick Brogdon. I know, I'm special. Um, I feel like he's kind of the guru for devotional life. And, and him talking about two and a half hour a day devotional life, it, it astounds me. But listening to him just kind of dialogue about what that, what that meant 
what that was like in his life. How did he find two and a half hours as a guy who's not just a missionary in Africa, but he's like a director of directors of directors. So he's overseeing these these incredible live dead movements and he's doing all of these things and yet he finds two and a half hours to spend with the Lord. It just it blew my mind hearing some of his thoughts and, 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 and hearing his passion about that. And you can also tell when someone has spent time with the Lord, their face glows, right? We see that in scripture, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. When your friend comes back from something and they're just full of the spirit and you're like, what ha- where have you been? You know, and they're like, I've been with God. I can tell your face is glowing. It happens all the time. All right, let's let's begin. Um, let's begin by reading the, the. This is going to be kind of my anchor verse today. It's in Mark chapter one, which, according to uh, according to Dan, I'm in the right book. We're in we're in Mark, which is funny. I, I start in Mark, and then all of my like support passages come out of John. So I don't know what that says about how bogus this class is going to be. All right, Mark one, uh, verse thirty-two. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's stop and pray. Father, would you add your anointing to what we're trying to do here today. God, on our own, we have so very little. We've got nothing to offer. But if you would come and fill this room with your spirit, then we could see lives changed. We could have a meaningful encounter with you. So I pray, would you speak through me? Would you speak through your word? Would you make uh, permanent in our hearts these things you've been stirring up this weekend? In Jesus' name, amen. For Jesus... This concept of abiding. When I say abiding, I'm talking about spending time with the Father. That concept to Jesus uh, is foundational. And I, and I mean that. I, it's a word we can throw around a lot. But by foundational, I mean it is the beginning of his understanding of what it means to be in relationship with God. A lot of times we want to make our devotional life a priority, right? And making it a priority is good. And you have to put it as a priority. You have to put your devotional life above other things. Like Sean said last night, saying yes to everything means you say no to the important things. Good. Did that not stab you? That totally stabbed me. So in order to to, to prioritize our devotional life, we have to have it as an understanding of of foundational. That it is the beginning of all of our spirituality, of our understanding of Scripture, of our understanding of who God is. All of that begins when we can draw away and be alone with the Father and allow Him to speak for us through His Word and through His Spirit. So we see Jesus in this passage. It begins, it says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. And you read that, and you get this picture that Jesus is, He's working, and He's working hard. He's healing and casting out demons. And it says He did that till late in the night. So obviously the next morning He slept in. Right? That's what I do. 
right? That's what I did. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get up and do my devotional time this morning. I waited until after breakfast because I sleep in. But it's, it's not what Jesus does. And if we're looking to take that next step in our devotional life, again, it's not a priority. It's the foundation, right? This is, this is what, this is not, Jesus doesn't think it's important. Jesus doesn't think it's a necessity. It is for Jesus. It absolutely is. It is his life. So if he's up to 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. casting out demons, you could be doggone sure he's going to be up before the sun comes up spending time alone with the Father. And he pulls away. Look at this. Very early in the morning, this is verse 35 of Mark 1. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. What's the difference between solitude and isolation? A little Merriam-Webster search will tell you solitude is removal from society. Isolation is removal from people. Right? A little subtle difference there. The solitude is this getting away from your phone, from your computer screen, from, from society. But it seems like when we don't practice solitude, we have to isolate, right? And cut off everything. That makes sense? How many of you have, have found yourself at a season in your life where you're craving isolation? Where you just want people to leave you alone for five minutes? Yeah, it's my life as a parent. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, sister. I have four children, eight, six, three, and one. Um, I know. They're wonderful. If you want to see pictures, I'll show you pictures. I'll show pictures all day. Um, we are here with the one-year-old, um, Jesse. Uh, he's my, my, our little boy. And our oldest, Kaylee Grace, who's in the back of the room. You wave. Say hi. Okay. Um, Kaylee Grace is a trooper because she's here with us. Our, the, the boys, three and six, um, Micah and Malachi, they are back home uh, with, uh, with lice. They had head lice, and we dealt with that before we came. And it was wonderful, wasn't it, Kaylee Grace? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, why did I share that? I don't know. Um, because sometimes I just want, that's right, I want five minutes. I just want five minutes. I just want five minutes to myself. But the problem is, that, that there's, there's, uh, there's healthy and unhealthy, right? There's the healthy desire to draw away and be with the Father, and there's the unhealthy desire to want to tell all of your friends, all of your classmates, all of your coworkers to just leave you alone because you can't deal. All right? You, we don't get to the unhealthy place when we practice the healthy. We are so wrapped up in thing after thing after thing, and you've got screen after screen after screen. The recent Gallup poll said we have seven screens. I don't even know where you get seven from, right? But like seven screens in our life that we are responsible for and accountable to. That to me is unbelievable. From a news resolution is to, is to quit Facebook. Not really. I might get fired from Kyle because I quit Facebook, but... Um, I'm looking to cut. You know what I mean? Is anybody feeling that? I'm feeling that. I'm looking to cut. One thing I am considering, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it yet or not, is to place my Bible on here. I know, guys. With, with my Bible in here. I know. Whoa. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's groundbreaking. Um, and it's old school, like two years ago. But 
Um, and I'm thinking it's paper. Um, it's actually Egyptian papyrus. Um, I hear it's it's not great for making notes. It's actually impossible to, to make notes on this stuff. But uh, um, I think in prison it's good for something else. I'm not really sure. Um, not having been to prison. But uh, I'm thinking about going back because I, I want to disconnect a bit more from the phone. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the how-tos of a devotional life in a few minutes, but I'll say one how-to right now is to put that phone down. Um, what I've learned to do is to, is to shut all the screens and then put physical distance between myself and the device. Um, and then I have a list every, and, and I, I did my devotional time this morning, I, I, I have a list. When I think of things that I should be doing rather than having my abiding time, uh, I write them down. And I, and I can just set that list to the side. I, that's a practice I learned a few years ago. Um, when I'm working on something and other things pop up, you know what I'm saying? Other things, I, I needed to do that. I forgot to do that. I just write it down and release it so I can stay focused on the task at hand. And providing that, that process really helps me personally to stay focused. Okay, let's get back to Scripture. What, what, is, what is Jesus about? What does he get from this abiding time, right? What is, what is his ministry all about. We just had Anthony up here talking about his ministry was ministering to the sick, the poor, the and, and the poor in the New Testament. That, that word is, is funny because it doesn't mean just financially poor. It means uh, socioeconomically poor. Um, so so poor can in, can can be anyone who's marginalized or oppressed, um, and that's Jesus's primary target audience, right? We. It's fascinating to me. Jesus cares very little about numerical attendance. Have y'all noticed that? Does it make you a little uncomfortable? Because it, it made his, his disciples very uncomfortable. If you read the passage in John of, uh, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, you guys are familiar with this passage. Jesus had been traveling from town to town, teaching in their synagogue, right? That was his deal. And he would heal people. And he began to accrue a following. And so as he would leave the town, he would kind of leave behind a small Christ community of people who got it. They got the vision. They understood what it meant to have the kingdom life like just all over them. And they were living differently. So Jesus would leave behind uh, a group of people in each town. And he would go on to the next town. Well, that, that worked. And that was still happening. But as his fame grew, people would follow him from town to town. Now, this was... Uh, in his day, this was incredibly radical because you didn't just relocate towns like we do today. We do it kind of flippantly. But in Jesus' day, a town was more like a family. It was a very familial atmosphere, and you knew everyone, right? You knew everyone, and everyone knew you. So to leave that and, and kind of follow someone around was a bit of a novel idea if you weren't part of the rabbinical circle, which his, his, his followers were not. So Jesus finds himself with 5,000 men following him and their families, right? So he teaches, he spends all morning and all afternoon teaching. And then what does anyone want to do when they've been doing that all day? They, they want to eat fried chicken, and they want to take a break, right? So Jesus props himself up on that. Uh, y'all know y'all good. Y'all, I'm not the only one going to Bojangles after church. Don't look at me like I'm swimming. So Jesus props himself on that hill, right? And he's ready to take a break after all that preaching. And Peter comes up and says, uh, Jesus, everybody's hungry, right? They don't have anything to eat. Now, I feel like sometimes when we read scripture, and we kind of do this, you know, 
They were hungry, and so Jesus fed them. And it was, I don't think that's how it is. I don't think that's how it was, because I know Jesus was tired and grumpy. And I know he dismissed Peter with, Peter, you feed him. Go on. Go on, Peter, you feed him. And you know, he, because that's what it says. That's what it says. He told Peter, Peter, you feed him. And his disciples are looking around like, we got, we got nothing. We have nothing. So they go back to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we got a little boy with some fish and bread. And he says, <sighs> and he gets up, and he ministers, and he feeds everybody. Now, what happens next is incredibly compelling, because they're ready to make him king, y'all. They're ready. Look, everyone has an idea of who Jesus is, right? We all have an idea of who Jesus is supposed to be. And in Jesus' day, he was supposed to be a political hero. He was supposed to be a guy who rose the political rank of power, assembled an army, and overthrew the oppressive Roman government. Right? That's what they expected him to be. But he didn't play along with it. He said, I will overthrow Rome by dying. It is by serving that I will uproot your oppressors. And to that, everyone said, ah, forget you, Jesus. Right? But when he was feeding them and healing them, they loved him. And they were following him around. And they were ready to forcefully make him this person they wanted him to be. What did he do? He said, if you won't eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no place with me. And everybody left. Right? They were like, oh, we can't stand this, Jesus, we're going. And they left. And Peter comes up and says, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Why did you send everyone away? Jesus says, because I don't care. I don't care about numerical attendance. I care about what's in someone's heart. If you will abide in me, I will abide in you. So often, we look at our ministries and we think we need, we need people in our small groups. We need people in our chaos. We need people in our churches. We need to hit these, these numerical goals. We need the money. We need the place. We need this. We need that. And we encounter Jesus, and Jesus says to us, all you need is to abide in me, and I will then abide in you. And you'll have everything you need. Now, we get so confused because we live in America, a world of money and privilege and power. So how do we get out of that world and into Jesus' world? Yeah, through that devotional time, right? Through that abiding time, through that daily practice of getting alone and allowing his word to seep into our hearts. That's the only remedy we have available to us. And it is what will set us free in our bones. It will set us free. Going back to this passage in Mark. I'll point out to you that Jesus got up while it was still dark. He prioritized morning abiding time because he knew he had to start his day immersed in the Word, immersed in the, the presence of the Father. I would encourage you to do the exact same thing. Make it a habit. Make it a foundational habit to spend that time alone with God the very first thing. Another thing Jesus says is as he removed himself, I would encourage you, remove yourself. Get out of your wherever, your dorm room, if you have to. Get out of your apartment, if you have to. Get out of your workplace, if you have to. What does it mean for you to remove yourself so that you can be alone with God? You have to, that, that, while that is so up to you, it's ridiculous. I know what it means for me. I don't have any clue what it means for you. Only you know what it means to remove yourself. But you have to. You have to remove yourself. And I can tell you, removing yourself will mean turning off your cell phone or 
putting on airplane mode or whatever we do these days. Putting that laptop screen all the way down, right? Turning the TV off. Met with a student in August. Bless his heart. He was a freshman. I said, man, do you, do you have a devotional time? He was like, oh, yeah. And he was telling me about how he does his devotional time. I was like, and he said there were distractions. I said, well, what distractions? ESPN. I was like, oh, yeah, ESPN can be a, an incredible distraction. Have you asked your roommates if they'll turn it off? He was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's me. It's my TV. I leave it on. I was like, well, you leave it on? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway we're, we're, we all come from different backgrounds, y'all. We, so let's not judge. <clears throat> y'all don't judge that man. I'll judge him. Y'all don't have to. <laughs> Check this out. Verse Mark 1, verse 38. I'll tell you what. Go back to verse 37. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Who is looking for you? Who? Everyone. Everyone is looking for you. I would love it if everyone were looking for me. Right? Right now, only four look for me, my kids. <laughs> We're moving from four to everyone. I'll get there one day. Everyone is looking for Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Look at his response in verse 38. Let's go somewhere else, y'all. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach to them also. That is why I have come. Jesus gets marching orders straight from the Father after spending his time alone with him. Isn't that fascinating? So many times we wonder, what is God's plan for our life? What is God's plan for my life? What do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do, God? Why won't God speak to me? I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to stay up too late playing video games. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up. Right? Boom, 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 boom. There's all, and, and what's worse is there's always a scream in front of you, right? I'm, and it's always, 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 always. And we don't stop to listen. Like Sean said, it's a whisper. Right? We don't stop and listen. And then we wonder, God, why are you speaking to me? And the whole time he's desirous to speak to us. He's longing to speak to us. He longs to pull us away and, 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 and give us those marching orders, just like he gives to Jesus. Sometimes it's stay the course, do what you're doing. Sometimes it's go to a different village, right? But either way, Jesus is going to hear it because Jesus is alone with the Father. And if we don't get alone with the Father, we'll miss it. We'll absolutely miss it. Now, I will clarify, sometimes we look for a grandeur in God's calling that's not really there, we've never meant to be there. As Christ followers, we are called to minister to those around us, right? So, so I'm, not, I'm not giving you license to do a devotional time and, and, and have this like profound God moment where he gives you a vision of some, you know, something he wants you to do. I, I'm not saying that will happen. Now, it, it might, it has. That's not the design of a devotional life. Uh, the, the abiding life is designed to position your heart in such a way that you are in lockstep with the Father. 
right? Now, we know his heart is for the poor and the oppressed, right? So spending time alone with Jesus should be birthing in you a heart for the poor and the oppressed around you. It, it fascinates me how, how often we think our devotional life should look like our, you know, our everyday, or I guess our, norm, our normative church experience, right? Do, do you expect your devotional life to be full of a loud concert, a really good teaching you could get on YouTube, and then nothing? That's what sets my devotional, my abiding time apart from everything else, is I feel like I'm, I can't spend time alone with the Father without feeling compelled to go and do to go and be active. To, to, I can't, I can't receive of the Spirit and then just sit on my hands and do nothing. It's not, that's, not, that's not the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is a call to action. It's a, it's a mobilization of arms to go and confront this, this enemy-occupied territory we live in. All right, I'm gonna, Brian, come on up before I waste too much time. I will say this in parting as, as Brian gets all set up. John five nineteen. Jesus says the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. John five nineteen and John five thirty. They're they're one and the same. So if you think about that passage of scripture, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus says, I can do nothing by myself. What makes us think we can live any differently? Jesus said that he could do nothing without his, his relationship, with, his, with, that, with, the, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, with the, with the leading and the guidance and the, and the work of the Spirit in his life. He could do, he could do nothing by, by himself. And yet we think we can live the Christ life differently. That's why this time of abiding, this time of being with Jesus is so important. Um, Dan said that this morning as well. He said that Jesus chose the disciples to be what? To be with him. That was, that was the priority, was that they would be with him first, and then they were able to go out and proclaim and demonstrate the power of the kingdom, but it began with, with being with. So I'm going to talk about some some practical, some practical things. Another verse, uh, passage of scripture is uh, John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do some things. No, he says, apart from me, you can do, do nothing. And this, this abiding life, this, this devotional life with Jesus, it begins, devotion begins with desperation. I mean, we sang this morning, um, I can't what without you? I can't think without you. I can't live without you. I can't blank without you. Were we singing lies? Do you live that way? Does your, does your devotional life reflect what you sang this morning? Devotion begins with desperation. It's not just an affection for Jesus. It is a realization that we are nothing without him. It is, it is a realization that, that we, can, we can't do anything. We can't do blank without him. I've begun writing in my journal um, in my uh, morning times with Jesus, um, I can do nothing by myself. I, I, start my, I start my time in the word and prayer. with I, I write that out. I can do nothing by myself. Jesus said that. I'm going to say it as well. 
I can do nothing by myself. I, I have to have this time in the Word, this time in prayer, this time alone with, with Jesus. We have to be convinced that we can do nothing without Him. Devotion begins with, with desperation. I want to encourage you and challenge you to aim to start your day with Jesus. Now, I know many of you say, I'm not a, somebody say, I'm not a morning person. Um, you can become one. Uh, it, it is possible. Um, there's, and it, let's say you do, you are a, a night person or you're, uh, here's the thing. If God speaks to you at night, you've got to figure out a way to bring what he told you into your next day. So you're going to have to start the day reflecting on what he told you last night. <laughs> Right? Because he's going to be leading and guiding you. You're, you're, you're following him. You're not just, he's not, Jesus isn't just wrapping up your day. Jesus wants to, to push you out and prepare you for the day, for the, for the battle that you have ahead of you as well. So I want, I want to encourage you to, to aim to start your day with Jesus. Um, uh, a friend of mine, he has a, a, a mantra, Bible before breakfast. Um, I, I've I've challenged some students, don't open a textbook until you've opened his book. We, I had a, a young man who was trying to develop a devotional life, and he, he loved studying. He, I mean, he, he, he's like, well, he was obsessed with studying. He was, he was, he was afraid. He, was, he, wasn't, he didn't love it. He, he was afraid of not studying. Um, and, and, and so he was, he was a great studier, um, but he was pretty lousy when it came to being in the Word. So he determined that he was not going to open a textbook until he opened God's book. And that was kind of the, the you know, it was his, his reward for, <laughs> it, it, after a while he began to get some reward from reading God's word. But in the beginning, the reward was he got to go study. <laughs> Once he got, I, I get the Bible out of the way so I can go study. <laughs> That's not necessarily the best motivator at the beginning, but it worked for him. But aim to start your day. If you, and let me, not just aim to start your day. Aim for daily. If you aim for daily, you'll do it frequently. I, I, I'm not in the word daily. But I'm in the word frequently. I, I aim for daily. I, uh, as, ever since I started aiming for daily, um, I've increased my frequency. So aim for, aim for daily. Make that make that when you when you write out your goal, don't don't just aim for daily. If you aim for daily, you'll do it frequently. Um, the next point there is use. Here, here's the thing: if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, start your day, um, it means you're gonna have to uh, be wise with your nights. Right? It's it's interesting in in Genesis it said that there was evening and there was morning and then there was the first day. It was evening, there was morning, then the second day. The days then began with the evening, not the morning. So what if you use your sleep to fuel your day rather than recover from your day? Oftentimes that's what we do. We, 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 we collapse into bed to recover from our day rather than thinking, all right, what do I need to fuel my next day? That's that's living this. That's living. Now, guys, what I'm, I'm I'm saying these things to you. I'm thinking, man, this is so radical. These guys are thinking this is insane. Nobody lives this way, and I I agree with you. Few people live this way, but our world needs a generation who will live this way. 
I believe that God is wanting to raise up a generation who will, who will live wisely. Who will live questionable lives. Why are you going to bed early? So I can get up and be with Jesus. Why would you want to be with Jesus? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> right? We need a generation that will begin to live questionable lives. Challenging lives. Challenging for you, it will challenge others as well. But I think it will be the key to you living life and life will bring So aim to start your day, use sleep to fuel your day. Um, so when you come out with your plan, make your plan simple, but make it substantial. So what I mean by that is, so really all I need for my quiet time are these three things. So I, I use my phone. I'll tell you how I do that in a minute. But um, this is, I take this and I go sit down with Jesus. And, and we, we connect. Um, uh, it doesn't involve, uh, it, it, the more complex you make it, the easier it will be for you to not do it. So if you keep it simple, it's easier to say yes. It's easier to, to, it's, it's easier to do it. So keep it simple, but make it substantial. Um, I've been encouraging some of my students. Um, their, uh, the extent of their quiet time or their extent of their time in the Word is the verse of the day in the Bible app. Um, you need more than the verse of the day. And here's why. You need to make it substantial. If it's, if it's not substantial, it'll be, it doesn't mean anything to you either. And you can, you can say no to it. You can flip it off. But if it's, but if it's substantial, then God can, can speak to you. God can, can work through you. Um, let me flip over to, uh, you see the point where it says, um, use a reading plan? Or is there a part that says use, use a reading plan? Um, I want to challenge. It's at the bottom, yeah, the bottom of the, the first page there. So use a reading plan. I would encourage you to, to to have a plan for reading through the whole Bible in a year. And and here's why. How many of you love connecting the dots whenever you you're reading scripture and you like, or you're hearing a, a sermon and you start connecting dots? You want? How many of you like to connect more dots? If you want to connect more dots, collect more dots. If you want to connect more dots, collect more dots. That's why reading through the Bible will help you collect more dots. It'll help you to see the grand narrative, the, the, the big story. And here's the thing. How many of you, every time you take a vitamin, you, like get, you feel stronger, your biceps grow, you, know, you, you, you just get a, a surge of energy? That doesn't happen when you take a vitamin, yet it is improving your health. Not every time you go to the Word are you going to get goosebumps. Not every time you go to the Word are you going to have this, you know, are you going to weep when you walk away from your quiet time. Yet you are, you are investing in your, in your soul. Um, Anthony was talking about one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that he will lead us into truth. Another place, uh, I think it's John 14, 26. It says the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that he has said. That a work of the Spirit is that he will remind us. To be reminded of something means you've had prior exposure. 
So if you want to increase the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, give him more to work with. Many of you are hindering the work of the Spirit in your life by your neglect of the word. He will have more to remind you of as you consume more of his word. So my challenge to you is to, is to use a reading plan and to, to, to read through, through the Bible. Um, while we're there, I'll go ahead and finish this one out. Um, here's the thing, and if you choose a plan, I would choose a plan that, that, that hits uh, a variety of places in the Scripture, like maybe a little bit from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New Testament. Some will include a psalm or a proverb. But here's the thing about having something that, that mixes it up a little bit. There are places in the Bible that are dry, that are hard to get through. And if you mix it up a little bit, the likelihood of every section being dry and hard to get through. Is, so your Old Testament reading that day might be numbers. And you're reading a, a genealogy or something. But the New Testament is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right? So having a reading plan that, that mixes up will help sustain you and, and keep you uh, maybe engaged a little bit, a little bit more. Um, so make it simple, substantial. We'll go back to the beginning. Find a place that's best for you. Um, it says that Jesus pulled away. He, he went off to a solitary place. Um, Sean said it last night that we need to get still. And stillness isn't just a matter of a lack of movement. It's a place where we can be attentive. So find a place where you can be attentive to the Holy Spirit, where you can be attentive to, to the Lord. Um, I would suggest that um, in bed under the covers is not a place. It might be best for you, but it might not be best for you in your abiding time. Right? So, so find a place where that will that will help you to be to be attentive. Um, for me, I have a, a chair um, that I go to and I, I spend my time in. I get up in the morning, I drink a glass of water, um, I prepare my uh, coffee. Um, usually have worship music playing while I'm preparing the coffee, and then get my coffee and sit down with the Word and meet with Jesus. Um, but I have a, uh, having a place is is important. Um, Eliminate distractions. Find a medium that's best for you. Um, what I mean by that is it might be pages. You know, um, it might be, this is pages. It might be pages. It could be pixels. Um, it could be audio. Um, listening to the Bible um, is another way to, to engage God's Word. Um, what are some benefits of, uh, of pages? What's some, what's some, what's some benefits of uh, a written Bible? Physical Bible. You can feel it. Yeah. Sometimes people say that you can retain more from just the, the touching, and that's there's a benefit to that. Some others. Yeah. Underlining notes. Yeah. I would say mark up your Bibles. Definitely have. So I, I, I lied. I, I usually have a highlighter and a pen with me with, uh, with my stash here. But mark it up. What might be some others? Some other benefits of pages. What was my memory? What do you mean by that? I don't remember exactly those verses on the page. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I have that same experience as well. I heard somebody else over here. Right, yeah, it's, it's there. You, it, the, the feeling, the tangible um, is, is good. Um, God's doing some really cool things at NC State. Um, I can walk through the student union and I see um, students engaging with God's word all over the place. Um, and 
the way I know that they're engaging with God's word is they have one of these. And it's open. And they're talking to one another about it. If everybody's around one of these, they might be on Facebook. They might be on Instagram. They might be watching YouTube videos. But when I see them with this, I know, ah, that's a woman of the word. Ah, that's a man of the word. You want to live a questionable life where people ask questions? Carry one of these around with you. Let, let people see you opening one of these and reading it and seeing this being a, an, an important book in your ensemble. I think that's another benefit of, of carrying around uh, a, a, physical, a physical Bible. It can, it can leave no doubt that you're a person of the, of the Word. But what are some benefits of, of the pixels? What's the what's benefits of the screens? There are some benefits there. Different translations. Different translations, yeah. You, yeah, I love sometimes, you know, NIV says this. Let's check out what ESV says. And it's, you can do that real easily with, um, you don't have to carry seven Bibles around. <laughs> you got it all right here. Yeah, so multiple translations. What some others? Oh, you can categorize your notes. All right, yeah, you can tag your notes and things. Yep, so that's a good way for, for highlighting. Hmm? Okay, you can get to verses faster. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, 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 handy. Unless you just memorize the Bible and the books of the Bible in the order. And that, that comes, happens as well. But no, that is a way, it's a way to get to things quicker. What are some other... Okay, so there, yeah, looking up commentaries, there's search features. You can sometimes you can search for a certain word. You maybe not know exactly what the verse was, but you know it had this word in the verse, and you can do a search that way. So searching can help. Some others, there, the reading plans that come on the Bible app. Um, the, the, that's a a, a perk um, as as well. What about the benefit of audio listening to scripture? Yeah. Are right, you stay focused? All right. Anybody else listen to audio and found some benefit to it? Huh? Yeah, you can do it while you're you're busy doing other things, or you know, sometimes you I, I've done it at times re, like driving down the road. I can still kind of be attentive um, and and still and still drive. I wouldn't listen to it while you're watching ESPN. That might not work, but um, yeah, you can you can multitask with it. So yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. In a way, it can help you connect with the people who are there, because they would hear it, right? Right. So in some ways, you're, you're engaging with, with the Scripture in a way that's more s- similar to the original recipients of the, of the letter. They would hear the letter read to them. They wouldn't all get copies of it. They would... So you're, in some ways, you're, you're receiving it the same way the original recipients uh, received it, and there could be some benefit uh, to that. Um, I notice that sometimes whenever I'm reading, I'll usually, sometimes I'll, I'll combine again. I'll have the audio and, and the written text, and I'm reading while I'm listening, and, uh, and it helps me to slow down. Because sometimes we just race through the text. We want to finish our assignment rather than engage with the Lord in, in the text. We don't, let's just check off the reading for the day, but it can help you just to slow, to slow down. Another thing I found too is I, I hear some things that, I, like you were saying, 
you hear things differently when you when you listen and read like repetition. Like, oh, they're saying abide a lot, or or they're saying so that a lot, and it, it caused you to, to to pause and to to reflect. So audio can be um, a good way. I would suggest maybe a combination. Um, I use my uh, pixels. Uh, I use my my app for my Bible reading plan. Um, and then I open up my word, and but I check off uh, what I've read to, to keep track uh, in on my on my app. Another thing about the the this plan too that I have friends that are reading along with me um, the same scripture, and sometimes they'll give me an attaboy for what I've read or um, uh, you know those kind of things they, they help and it's it's encouraging. So that can be another uh, helpful component. Find a translation that's best for you. Um, maybe mix it up from year to year. Um, I know my wife Mindy does this. Uh, she, uh, we read the same Bible reading plan together, and uh, and but she mixes up the the translation to to make things a little different. Um, I've already talked about using a reading plan and, and challenge you to read through the Bible. Um, the next one is underline, highlight, um, find the takeaway. Next is capture your takeaway in a journal. I would encourage you to have a journal. I don't journal every day, but I have a journal with me because there are times when God speaks and I need to capture this. I need, I need to remember this. I need to record. One of the things that I use uh, in, my, in my journaling, um, I, I journal more often than not, but uh, you know, I usually start, I've, I've begun with, I can do nothing by myself uh, is what I've been writing at the top. But then S stands for scripture. If, uh, if there's a passage that, that jumped out at me, a verse uh, that jumped out, I'll write that out or the reference for it. O stands for observation. What did I pull out? What was, what was God saying to them at this time? What was God revealing about himself? What was he revealing about mankind? What was he revealing about the Holy Spirit, sin? Um, application is what, what does this mean to, to me? What is, how does this apply to, to my life? And then P is prayer. I'll write out a prayer. Um, and here's the thing about writing things out. It has a way of, of focusing our thoughts through the filter of our pinpoint. Um, and so uh, I would encourage you to, uh, to do that and to capture those things. Um, the next point there, don't try to make up for missed days. All right. So over the Christmas break, um, my wife and I, we've been uh, doing... Uh, cycling classes uh, this fall and we've been cycling several times a week over Christmas break we missed a whole week of, of cycling classes we went back uh, Thursday uh, to, to cycling class what if we had tried to well we missed five classes let's try to get five classes in today that would have been it would have been foolish to do it if I thought I had to go and do five classes I probably wouldn't have done the I, I said I'm just not going Oftentimes what we do when we're doing a reading plan, we're going to try to read through the Bible. I miss five days. i got to catch up on five days. I can't catch up on five days, so I'm not going to do it. Here's, what I, here's how I approach the reading plan. The reading plan just shows me what I need to read that day. It tells me what I'm going to read, and if, if, if I've missed several days, I don't try to catch up. I just know that this is what I'm reading for today. Here's another thing about... Um, even though the, the reading plan is regimented and it, it was set out years ago, it is amazing to me how timely 
those words can be. That's the, that's the amazing thing about Scripture and the Holy Spirit using Scripture. In, in a, a, it, it, you'll find it's, it's fresh for you. It's useful to you for, for that day. But don't try to make up for, for, for mistakes. It'd be like, you know, if you're running, you know, two or three miles a day, uh, and then you miss five days and you try to run 15. It's just, it, does, it doesn't make sense. Don't do that with your devotional life uh, either. So just let it, let it slide. Um, the next one is uh, don't quit, pivot. Now what I mean by this, let's say somebody's dribbling down the court, heading for the basket, defender steps in their way. All right, is the thing to do to back up and go the other way? No, you pivot, right? You pivot and you and you go another you go another direction. So you're going to encounter obstacles. You're going to encounter some things that you begin to even implement practicing this. You're going to encounter some things, some interference. Don't quit with interference. Just just pivot. Make some adjustments. Read less. Um, uh, find a different time. Find a different place. Find a different translation. Find a different plan. But the thing is, don't quit. Keep keep doing this. Keep at it. Pursue it. Aim aim for daily. It it will make a difference. We've begun in our ministry encouraging as many students as we can to. We're all reading uh, the Life Journal reading plan. If you want to uh, join us with that, you're welcome to do it. Um, it's on the Bible app. The Life Journal reading plan will have you read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice over the course of a of a year. Uh, we're all reading the same plan. The, one of the benefits of doing that is uh, on Wednesday night when I, we have our large group service, I might not be preaching from the reading plan, but oftentimes the reading plan is relevant to the teaching of that night. And I can say, hey guys, do you remember when we were reading in Isaiah today and many in the group was like, oh yeah, I read that as well. It, it builds community. Um, one of the ways that's, that's benefited spiritual intimacy between my wife and I is reading through the Bible together, the, the same plan. We don't read together at the same time, but we're reading the same thing. Um, it, it, it's built, it builds community. It builds accountability. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's been a, a, a benefit for us as well. All right, abide daily. Sabbath weekly. And retreat regularly. I would encourage you to every six months, at least once a year, to just carve out a day to three days to just focus on being with Jesus. It'll challenge you. It will stretch you. Um, but it will, be, it will be worth it. Every, every student who's ever done this has come away like, oh my gosh, that was, that was amazing. It was hard, but it was so, hey, hey most of the things that are, that are worth it hard. Most things that are worth it are, are hard. So um, I would encourage you to, to retreat regularly. Um, next is be specific. Um, when you, the more specific you are in what I'm going to read, when I'm going to read, where I'm going to read, or, or where, where I'm going to be with Jesus, and not read, but where I'm going to be with Jesus, when. If you, if you get all those things decided beforehand, then all you have to decide is if. So decide, be specific, have all those things lined out. And then I have to, because here, deciding to do something takes willpower. And willpower is a muscle, and it gets, it gets worn out. 
So if you got all these things already decided beforehand, you got to use your willpower on that. You just have to use your willpower to decide if you're going to do it. So be be specific. Um, you see that little diagram there, cue, routine, and reward? Um, this is a, what they call the habit loop. Um, and oftentimes people, they, they're very specific about the, uh, the routine they want to have, but they're not specific about the cue, and they're not specific about the reward. So what's going to be your cue? My cue is when the alarm goes off in the morning. First thing, I'm, I'm up, I'm going to be with Jesus. So the alarm is my is my cue. I, actually, I started the night before by setting out some nice warm clothes, um, and I, I know what I'm going to wear the next day. I'll go ahead and get out of bed, um, you know, have everything set and ready. But have your have your have a cue. You have your routine. But one thing that's often forgotten is the reward. Some success we've had with some of our guys is uh, is in the beginning when you begin a habit, you you don't benefit from the from the intrinsic rewards of the habit, of the habit, so you need some external rewards. So some of the guys, they start texting me after they've done their quiet time. They'll just text me, you know, like a, maybe a, a thumbs up or um, one of them was texting me 30. Man, I just spent 30 minutes, uh, and they would just text three zero, and then I would just shoot them back a thumbs up. And that thumbs up was a was enough of a of a boost of a reward. To, to keep them going, but maybe it's a piece of chocolate. I don't know what you, what do you, whatever you need. Maybe it's, I'm not going to drink my coffee until I finish my time with Jesus. But whatever it is, set up some sort of reward for you in the beginning, and that will help you with with building that that habit. Um, the last one there is go public. What I mean by that is is share your plan with others. Share, get some accountability. Um, find a coach that can say, hey. I, this sounds great, or this sounds um, uh, not substantial enough. <laughs> this sounds too substantial. Uh, you know, what, but fine. Go public. Get some uh, somebody to help hold you accountable. Have somebody to do this with you. Um, maybe your whole life group goes through a reading plan together. Um, but having others share that with you will will increase your your success. But it it, it really does come back to I can do nothing. By myself, that that we we need Jesus, and and if you will do this, um, Jesus will meet you there. God wants to speak to you; He wants to talk to you, and you will find you will find strength and power for for your life. So let me close in prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would um, you would sear into our spirits the reality of the truth that apart from you we can do nothing. God, forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for our independence. Forgive us for um, our self sufficiency. And Lord, would you? increase the reality of, the, of our understanding, the awareness in our lives that, that apart from you, we can, we can do nothing. And God, I pray that you would help us um, in, this, in this coming year, Lord, to be people of the word, to be people of prayer, to be people who would, who would connect 
with you. God, let, let something uh, that uh, was said in this last hour, um, let it go home with my friends, God, and let it, it, it translate into, into their lives and bear fruit uh, in their lives. In your name we pray. Amen.